it was 16 weeks, Brian Adams fan, yeah, in yeah. Um, 1991. 91? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, it was. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, no, I remember because it was school disco, 1992. Epic. Um, wet, wet, wet? Uh, 14 weeks, 1994. Any others? Well, you need to ask me. Come on, come on. Ooh. Oh, Celine Dion. I bet that was one, wasn't it? My heart will go on. Yeah, that was 10 weeks, 1997. Oh, my God. Do you actually know this? No, I made up the last one. But I did <laughs> Hello, my name is Kirsty Styles, and welcome to the Weekly Economics Podcast, brought to you by the New Economics Foundation. I'm here with James Meadway, Senior Economist here at NEF, where this week we're delving into the Queen's speech to take a look at the government's plans on tax. The Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh making their way through the Royal Gallery towards the Prince's Chamber and then into the Chamber of the House of Lords itself. And do you, do you always, Patrick, tune in and listen to the Queen's speech or watch her on the television? Do you watch the pomp and ceremony of the I opening? I'm a I certainly do. Oh, good for you. The legislation will be brought forward to ensure there are no rises in income tax rates, value-added tax or national insurance for the next five years. We've made the choice that we'll make savings in public spending in order to keep taxes down. That's the right choice, and it was backed by the British people in the election. So, James, it was a big day uh, for the Queen last week. She got to dress up all fancy for the misleadingly called Queen's Speech. What is the Queen's Speech, James? Well, the Queen's Speech is the, the centrepiece of the sort of strange old ritual of the state opening of Parliament where the Queen, uh, as you say, dresses up all fancy, sits on a golden throne in the House of Lords, invites everyone to come in and listen to a readout, a list of things that the government of the day wants to do over the next year. So it's a big list of bills that, in this case, the Conservative government intend to introduce. OK, so there were a couple of big things that came up, the um, EU referendum, of course, and the revival of the Snoopers Charter. Um, but what specific economic policies uh, were outlined in the Queen's speech? Well, there's a few of them. It's, it's slightly vague because it's quite a short speech and they can't say too much about any of this. But there's uh, a freeze on uh, some kinds of benefits. So working age benefits, tax credits and child benefits are going to be frozen. They're not going to increase those uh, for two years from April 2016. Uh, there is a commitment, slightly again, slightly vague commitment, for the government is going to have a target of creating 2 million new jobs over the next five years or so. And they're going to be uh, increasing the personal allowance so that anyone who's on the minimum wage won't be paying income tax. Uh, that's the theory behind that one. Final one, of course, and the peculiar one, is the tax lock commitment. This is the idea that the government's going to write a bill that will make it illegal for George Osborne to increase income taxes, national insurance or VAT. OK, so one of the ones that you've mentioned there obviously is the raising of the personal tax allowance. And the government has tried to emphasise how this is going to be helping the poorest in society. What is the personal tax allowance uh, and is this going to boost, be a big boost for the poor? Well, probably not. I mean, the, the personal allowance is, is that bit of uh, earnings that you get where you don't pay any income tax. Uh, and basically anybody who earns has this personal allowance. So it means if you're very poor, you have it. And if you're incredibly wealthy, you, you have it as well. Uh, it's just that chunk of your, your income that you don't pay any taxes on, which means at the minute there's about five million people who don't already pay uh, any income tax because they're not earning enough. The last government raised the personal allowance a fair bit. 
this one is saying they want to increase it from it'll be about £11,000 next year up to be about probably £13,000 or thereabouts uh, to get anybody who's on the minimum wage out of paying any taxes at all. But that's a very, very small section of people who make uh, who benefit from that particular move uh, in terms of not paying any tax. The downside of all of this is that you end up, because the personal allowance applies to everyone, you end up, of course, with anybody who's actually a lot better off than this also gets a boost out of the thing. And if you look at how the costs of moving the personal allowance being distributed, most of the benefit goes to better off people rather than the poorest. Okay, and there's obviously a bit of a question there around um, these people being so low paid that they're never going to be taxed. Yes, of course. I mean, the the real issue here is that they're so low paid, not that they're not paying uh, any tax. I mean, if they're so low paid that you're not hitting the personal allowance, the real issue there is that you need to be paid more, not that you need to be, you know, have come out of the tax system. So uh, another one, well, one of the specific bills that they've outlined is the National Insurance Contributions and Finance Bill, a personal favourite of mine. Um, and it contains a pledge to make it illegal for the Chancellor to raise taxes, as you as you just said. I mean, I'd like to say WTF, which <laughs> of course stands for what the fiscal. But um, why would they want to do that, James? It's, it's a very good question, uh, however phrased. It's a very good question. The issue here is is, is that the, the government wants to look like it's not going to do anything to taxes, the main bits of taxation, VAT, which, of course, uh, they raised uh, in 2010-2011, in uh, and national insurance and income tax. And so it's a big sort of grandstanding commitment that they're trying to make here to show that they are the party of low taxes and they are the government of low taxes, and this is how they're going to proceed. It, it's odd to have to say that you're going to insist that your own Chancellor won't be allowed to do something that he would normally be allowed to do. It's like you don't really trust George Osborne uh, in in some way. So it's a peculiar measure. It's done more for show than for doing anything that's really going to make a difference. Um, and so sometimes, surely, the Chancellor needs to raise taxes. Well, this is this is the, the downside of this sort of you know, binding commitment that, that people are trying to make. You don't know, as the government or anybody else, what's going to happen in the future. You don't know what kind of fiscal situation we might be in in three years' time. You don't know if there's going to be another recession. You don't know what uh, actions the government might need to take. So by saying, oh, we're going to make it illegal to touch some of these taxes, you're removing some of your ability to respond to events. So it, it just looks very, very peculiar. It, as I said, I think it's for show. It's for kind of posing, it's for suggesting, it's changing the mood music, that sort of stuff. It's not really making a difference in, in sort of economic terms. And has this ever been done before? Well, the, the governments in the past have have tried to do things like this, where they say, right, we are very committed to this, so we're going to make it illegal. Uh, in the case of the last government, they had a Fiscal Responsibility Act in, in 2010 that was brought in, which basically said, we're going to cut the deficit every year. George Osborne uh, mocked it mercilessly at the time as being this sort of pathetic pose by Alistair Darling and Gordon Brown to try and look like they were responsible. We have to debate this vacuous and irrelevant legislation before us. But it begs the question, why did the Chancellor feel the compelling need to introduce it? Why is he the first Chancellor in our history who feels he needs an Act of Parliament on top of a budget statement? And there are only two explanations. Either he doesn't trust himself to secure sound public finances, or he knows the public doesn't trust him to secure. Uh, and of course he repealed it, and the government repealed it once the coalition government uh, repealed it once they got into power. So there ain't no such thing as binding. 
Well, there's no such thing as binding because really the government can still do more or less whatever it wants. It can repeal an act that it's previously made. It can probably find a way, unless there's some sanctions built into this this proposed bill, it can probably find a way to get round it even even without repealing the law. So I think it's a pose. I don't think it's something that, to be taken too seriously. OK, so it's, so it's likely that George Osborne could break his own law? Well, it's possible. I wouldn't say it was likely, but it's certainly possible. You can imagine some circumstances where there's serious deterioration in, in how much money he's getting in from some source, so he decides to put up VAT. I mean, this this is sort of plausible. This is kind of what he did last time round, so it's at least plausible this could happen this time round. OK, so our buddies over at the right-wing think tank, uh, big shout-out to the Adam Smith Institute, uh, were celebrating at the weekend uh, their hashtag Tax Freedom Day. Can you explain what these guys uh, are uh, sh- shouting about and um, should we be celebrating too? Well, this, this is the idea that, that you, I mean, everybody's paying taxes and of the total amount that everybody in the country earns, there is a chunk of it that we all pay in taxes. And so the idea of Tax Freedom Day is how long in the year do you have to work before finally you've paid all the taxes that are due and the rest of the money that you're earning is in fact yours. It doesn't really exist as a day. It's a kind of notional uh, point in the year where those taxes are being paid. And I'm sure they, they had one hell of a celebration, but they'd have to be quite careful at it, of course. You know, if you end up thinking, well, paying taxes is a bad thing, perhaps if you drink too much, trip up and break your elbow, which I managed to do myself last year, and then zoom off to hospital, uh, this is something that your taxes pay for. You know, the, you pay taxes for a reason. You pay taxes to pay for hospitals, schools, roads, whatever it might be. Government performs a useful function. One of the ways we finance government, not the only way, but one of the ways we finance government is by everybody paying taxes. So the idea that you become more free by not having taxes, I think, is a, is a slightly dubious one, given the kind of society that we want to live in, where we do have an NHS. Yes, we do have schools you don't have to pay for, these sort of things. I feel like this calls for the launch of the very first weekly economics podcast counter campaign. Hashtag proud to pay my taxes. You and James? No, I think so. I think I can sign up to that. OK, and now you're jetting off uh, on the Eurostar, so we'll let you go. Thank you very much, James. Thank you. Music for the weekly economics podcast is provided by Poddington Bear. We'll be back at the same time next week. The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org.